Here I am. Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh my God! Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun, old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. This way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Welcome to another episode of Tis the Podcast, the podcast that's determined to keep the Christmas spirit alive 365 days a year. I'm Anthony. I'm Tom. And I'm Julia. And today's episode is brought to us by... Support for this podcast and the following message come from Elf Recruiter. Searching for the best shoe cobblers, cookie bakers, or toy makers? Use Elf Recruiter to meet those elf staffing needs. Visit the website and use the code TISTHEPOD for 10% off your first purchase. So this is a historic moment, guys, because we're going to review our first Christmas movie on the show. Yay! And it's arguably one of the most beloved Christmas movies, and that's Elf. Okay, so Elf, directed by John Favreau and starring Will Ferrell. How about one of you start us off and tell us what your history with this movie is? Without going into too much detail, since we'll be doing it in a few minutes, like delving into the movie, but you know, what do you think of the movie overall as well? Yeah, this movie came out uh, back in 2003. I was already a John Favreau fan, um, both as an actor and as a director. He did Swingers. I love right? Swingers. I, I love Swingers. Amazing. And that really started my love of John Favreau. So when I found out he was, com- it was John Favreau combining Christmas with Will Ferrell, who was um, unbelievably hilarious still at that time, I just had to go. And it was the last Christmas I was single. My wife and I were engaged uh, back in 2003. And we went that season to see Elf. And we saw it a few times in the theater. And we have seen it multiple times every year since. It is both of our favorite Christmas movie. It's a great history. I'm super jealous because... I did not see this in the theater and interesting side note for that, just figured out the reason why I did not see this in the, in the theater was because I was in that first, second, third month pregnancy with my daughter where everything made me want to puke. And I made the mistake of going to see Return of the King in the movie theater while I was pregnant, immediately realized popcorn was not a good smell for me. And so that pretty much wrote off movies for the rest of the nine months. But I did see this movie and continue to see this movie the good old fashioned way, right? Blu-ray on my couch in the living room. <laughs> and, um, and I'll echo the same sentiment. We're all going to say is that this, you can't go wrong with this movie. This movie is just, just hit so many um, high points for me. And it's what we start our Christmas season with every year in July. Yeah. <laughs> in July. <laughs> every year, December 26th. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so I was 14 at the time this movie came out. Uh, my sister was 12 and, uh, we were staying with my maternal grandparents for the weekend whom we didn't really see very often back then just because of physical distance. So a lot of my memories from when I did see them back then stand out really well. And my grandmother agreed to take us to the movie. I just remember sitting in the theater and being like enthralled the entire time. Like it was so funny and so heartwarming. And it was, I found it really exciting too, because, you know, not to jump to the ending or anything, but most Christmas movies don't have as exciting a climax as Elf does. 
but it had everything you could ever want in a holiday film wrapped up in the perfect hour and a half package. Yeah, actually, two weeks after I first saw it, we went again with my parents. They actually wanted to see School of Rock, but we convinced them to take us to see Elf again. A very wise decision. Yeah. <laughs> Good decision. <laughs> <laughs> they adored it. And it's a pretty big deal. My sister went to see it again in the theaters because she never really inherited that Christmas spirit that I did. At least, you know, well, she did, but then she lost it, you know, after that Christmas every child has, you know, the most depressing Christmas of all. Yeah, she never quite gained it back after that. She took it really hard and is still pretty bitter about it. Yeah, actually, one day I think it'd be actually fun to do a little therapy session with the three of us and talk about that (laughs) Christmas. We just have to uh, find the right movie to do it with. Now, this, was the, this movie was the complete antithesis of the other Christmas movie. Do you guys remember what other Christmas movie came out in 2003? No. What was it? Billy Bob Thornton's Bad Santa. <laughs> oh, gosh. I like Bad Did Santa. Did it really? Yeah, same year. <laughs> same year. Both came out in November 2003. And I don't think you could have two movies along the same general theme were diametrically opposed if you tried. I'm guessing Bad Santa was crushed at the box office because this movie made a lot of money, I think. It did. Did you know it didn't open at at number one, though? The second week it was out, it took the number one spot, which is kind of unusual for movies. What took it the first week? I don't know. Let me go to the... Ask that magic box. Was it a Harry Potter movie? Because they always came out in November, so... I don't know. Oh, and uh, apparently Love Actually came out the same day as Elf. Good year for Christmas movies. It really yeah. was. The Return of the King uh, <laughs> was, yes. by, was by far the, it was not that weekend, but it was by far the biggest uh, of that time. But number one, the weekend that Elf came out was The Matrix Revolutions. Oh, oh God. that's sad. That's very sad. But don't worry, Elf came back the next week and uh, took the number one spot. Redeemed everything. That's good. Pretty much. I mean, how could it not? Oh. I'm really surprised it didn't open up as number one. If we look at the amazing cast. I mean, you have James Caan, who is He's oh, a legend. legend. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, we both, we both thought so. Um, which was kind of cool to see him go from his typical gangster role. Do you know uh, why he did? No, I do not. So I'm going to be the annoying guy on this podcast and like pepper every episode with random useless bits of trivia. So, no, this does not make you annoying. This makes you awesome. Continue. <laughs> So James Kahn wanted a change of pace. He was convinced to do it by a friend just to do something different. And he heard that Will Ferrell guy was pretty funny and a fun guy to work with. So he shows up on set and I'm going to tone down his more colorful language because (laughs) he uses a lot of it. He was saying, you know, (laughs) this uh, freaking guy was the most freaking subdued and depressed guy I've ever met in my life. And I was thinking to myself, he's the freaking guy everyone says is hilarious and I'm going to work with him. And then um, obviously once they started acting, he realized what everyone loved about Will Ferrell. (laughs) And you could actually see him break in one of the scenes in the movie laughing so hard when he's eating the cotton balls in the office and get doctor's office and gets a shot. Oh, I love that part. Yeah, James, he uh, quickly turns away from the camera because he could see him start to laugh and he didn't want to ruin the shot. Oh, I got to rewatch just for that. Is it just me or did Cotton Balls look delicious after that scene? They did. Every time I, I look at him, I'm like, you got to wonder how that would taste. 
<laughs> so we had, we had we had him, and then uh, the guy who is who who has definitely become Santa Claus for me that blew me away in that movie. I think aside from my crush, I developed on on Zoe Deschanel in that movie. Uh, yep. Besides her, my favorite was by far Ed Asner. I mean, me too. Ed Asner as Santa, and he's doing two Santa Christmas movies right now. Uh, the Santa Files, uh, which is apparently being in production right now. I don't think, I don't know that it's going to be released this year, but what is going to be released this year is Santa Claus Stole My Dog. I'm, is that straight to DVD? <laughs> I don't know. It, it looks terrible. <laughs> what, in your opinions, what makes a good Santa Claus? Because Ed Asner is my favorite because I think Santa has to be equal parts jolly and nice and caring, but also he should also be intimidating. And Ed Asner is a pretty intimidating guy. And I think he had that perfect balance. He did have that perfect balance. He was so lovable and nice and approachable. I mean, when uh, uh, when when Buddy came out, the the what in the Sam Hill? You know, <laughs> you see this different side of Santa that you don't usually see. Um, and there was just he made Santa so, so uh, personable, such a so approachable as a character. When they're in the, the, and I'm jumping ahead, I know we're going to talk about everything, but when, when they're in Central Park and he's talking about the, what are they, the Park Rangers? Oh, yeah, the yes. um, Central, Central Park, Park Rangers. Rangers. Yeah. I don't know. They're just uh, bits that he does throughout the film that just show a whole new side of Santa that makes him that much more endearing to me now as an adult. Um, oh, I, I like the part in the park where uh, he had one line. It was just a stupid throwaway line. James Conn was like, Hey, buddy, give me your hat and your coat when he's going to put them on. And he's like, but Mrs. Claus made these for me. <laughs> I love that, too. <laughs> oh, it's just so neat to see him in a role like this. He's one of the most acclaimed um, television actors of all time. I mean, he, he's got ridiculous number of Golden Globes and, and everything. He's, he's so well regarded. And then to see him take a role like this where he can just have fun. Well, I guess all of his roles have been fun back all the way back to Mary Tyler Moore. Yeah. Watching him at Nick at night. <laughs> but uh, I, I would not have pegged him as a Santa then, you know, no. as, a kid, I, as a kid, I would not look and say that guy is going to be Santa, but he does it mm-hmm. and he tells it so well. He's a great Santa. He is. He's definitely, I think my favorite of all time. <laughs> Me too. I agree. He's the standard by which all Santas are, are judged. So clearly we're starting this podcast on a high note. Very going to have to compare to this one and Santa. <laughs> one of the things that I love about this movie is not only is it overtly Christmas throughout the whole thing, everything is revolves around Christmas. It has some cool throwbacks to classic Christmas to, to evoke those same feelings that we talked about in the last episode of Christmas. You know, when a uh, when Buddy um, is enlightened to the fact that he's not an elf, which should have been obvious. Um, <laughs> But there's that childhood wonder and his childish look at the world is so heartwarming. Yeah. But at the same time, you're like, oh, come on, guy. You have to know this. Okay, so when he runs out and he sees Leon and you're in this whole claymation world, definitely throwback to Rankin-Bass, which for most people um, who were born post-1960, that's, those are so endemic of what Christmas is. That just, that, you talk about that show starting on a high note. And again, my one of my, I can't say one of my favorite lines. I quote this movie all the time, guys. I know. Yep. But when when the, when he's leaving in the Norwals, bye, buddy. Hope you find your dad. I say all. The, that's one of those things that you can quote all the time. 
go. I, I also, Same here. I love when he's leaving as well before the narwhal pops up and the other little animals are waving goodbye to him and the, the walrus. walrus. <gasps> he's just crying <laughs> every time, even when I want, because I watched it today. I'm just like, that poor walrus. And I love how he hops off. He just boop, 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 boop when the narwhal comes up. Oh, yep. I just, I love that part. I love that part. And it goes back to what you were saying, Tom, about his innocence and all of that. And to a point where you're like, yeah, come on, guy. I think that's what makes this movie so successful. Mm -hmm. I think that's part of what makes it so successful is the innocence. So Will Ferrell is hilarious, right? But he's also real good, apparently, at being a dope. And that all works to this because, I mean, isn't that how we felt when we were kids, you know, it was this wonder of the world changes, the weather changes, the decorations and the smells and the sounds and stuff happens at Christmas that doesn't happen any other time of year. So it's that whole wonder, you know, wonderment and, and specifically with his innocence and he's so genuine, like when Papa Elf is talking to Buddy and they're by the sleigh and, and he's like, yeah, you know, we had to add the engine on because, you know, people don't have Christmas spirit like they used to. And can you believe, you know, that the parents tell their kids that, that, you know, the parents put the toys under the tree and he's like, that's shocking. <laughs> and he is, he is like, he believes that that is shocking. And the entire movie is like that. And he has this joy that no other character has in the movie, but it spreads. Right. And so that's my favorite thing about elf. Is it something I can show my kids that makes them happy, but it also spreads that good message. Right. And it explains why do we love Christmas so much and why is it so good to have Christmas all year long? So Will Ferrell's so good at that. The whole movie is good at spreading that message because uh, if you look at the Elf Code of Conduct, it was like, uh, treat every day like it's Christmas. <laughs> There's room for everybody on the nice list. And the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. They're like simplified versions, though, of, you know, the more deeper meaning of Christmas. Like there's good in everybody. Like everyone can be on the nice list. And uh, I just love the messages in this movie as simplified as they are for like the younger audience with stuff like that they do such a good job of bringing in kids but still giving something that adults can look look into and find humor and humor and meaning yeah humor and meaning <laughs> um but just admit it guys you wish you could see the world like buddy does that's the big takeaway from the movie uh, absolutely totally. yep absolutely i really actually liked uh the father son theme in this movie I'm still very lucky enough to be close to my dad, so I never have a strained relationship like Buddy does with his. But uh, I just, I just think you know, it's beautiful that Buddy goes down to save his dad's Christmas spirit, essentially, and in turn, his dad ends up saving Buddy and Santa in the end because it's his new Christmas spirit that lets the sleigh fly the last minute to help him get out of the park. I think that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. I think that's really good writing, circular writing. Mm -hmm. So I actually have a confession to make. I'm not the biggest fan of Will Ferrell in general. I never have been. I think Elf was really the first movie I liked him in. And it's still one of the only movies I like him in. And I think it's because of that innocence he plays, because my other favorite movie with him is Step Brothers, where he's also kind of like mentally stunted and innocent and just in a more, you know, adult way, but Will Ferrell's best when he's playing that innocent, naive type of character. Wasn't Mary Stin, what's Hydra's name? 
wasn't Mary Thinberger, <laughs> wasn't she his mom or stepmom in that movie too? Yes, she was. Yes. So there was a nice little crossover there. And she's also no stranger to Christmas movies either. No. Have you guys seen One Magic Christmas? I have not. No. It is absolutely horrible, and I'm sure we'll cover it one day. <laughs> but <she's started>. <laughs> Who is she in it? Is she Mrs. Uh, Claus? No, she's really young in that movie. I can't, it's been so long since I've seen it. I can't remember if she's actually the mother or the daughter in that movie. But it's an oh, older movie. Yeah, it's horrible. So, of course, we're going to cover it at some point. <laughs> and she was in Four Christmases. Oh, yeah. Was she Reese Witherspoon's mom? or She was the one that kept hitting on Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn. Uh-huh. I remember that. Yep. That's right. She's kind of a holier-than-thou Bible club one, right? Yeah. and oh, she, right. Yeah. she was the one that was married to – it's been a while. It's been a while. But, yeah, she, she yeah. did play – she played Reese Witherspoon's mom who was in love with – her son-in-law. And so, was this Peter Dinklage's first big role? Um, I knew of him, and I don't... Station agent? Yeah. Was that Peter Dinklage? Yeah, it was. And I think that was just that was just before Elf, right? It was same year, 2003. Okay, yeah. This was when he was definitely coming into his own as an actor. Uh, yes. scene <laughs> is one of my favorite scenes. <laughs> Call me Elf one more time. So this movie has kind of ruined him for me, though. I mean, I look for Tyrion to say that on just about every episode. (laughs) (laughs) No tomatoes. Tomatoes are too vulnerable. Kids are vulnerable as it is. No tomatoes. (laughs) Love Peter Dinklage. Yeah, I love him. He's great. But yeah, he will always be Miles Finch. Absolutely. What is it? The degrees? It's 72 degrees inside the limousine. (laughs) 70-inch plasma screen. Oh, gosh. There's so many quotable lines in this movie, right? So when I was watching it and I was writing down funny quotes, I realized that I can work these quotes into most everyday life. And I do regularly to a point where I was like, do I have a problem? Because all of these quotes, (laughs) everyday life. That's That's not a problem. That just proves it would be awesome. I can't tell you the number of times I've been able to quote Amy Sedaris, and she says, oh, I don't know, Connie, I've never declawed kittens before. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. She has a whole separate note in my notes. Amy Sedaris must mention Amy Sedaris. (laughs) Me me too. I love it. I don't know the name of the actor, but I really like the uh, store manager too. Uh, The... (laughs) <laughs> you know, 10 a.m. Santa's coming to town. <laughs> oh, God. And how, how Six seriously. Inches. <laughs> Six inch ribbon curls. <laughs> and how seriously he takes his job. He's convinced somebody from corporate is out to get his job at a little <laughs> non Macy's store. <laughs> and then he's like, there's no singing at the North Pole. Yes, there is. No, there's not. Yes, there is. No, there's not. Yes, there is. No, there's not. <laughs> So I, I gotta give him some serious props i could not have kept a straight face with will ferrell in that costume no no i know i don't know but i i'm with you anthony i'm not the biggest will ferrell fan i was but for some reason when anchorman came out i just I'm, i was done so <laughs> i can't really say why i just i'm i could not stand it and i have not really liked him since i don't get the love people have for that movie Me i neither. don't get it like the obsession people have for anchorman or its sequel Mm-mm. I didn't see the sequel. I did. Julia, are you are you in agreement? Or are you? 
I I prefer Will Ferrell in small SNL bites. He's a, it's always been my favorite. Well, and Elf, right? Elf for full length version. Will Ferrell, and then Saturday Night Live for my funny Ferrell. For any other Ferrell, yeah. <laughs> and so. and his movies, I like clips of some of some from some of his movies. There's some funny clips from Talladega Nights that make me laugh, but I can't sit down and watch the whole thing. Yeah, he was, he was actually good in Daddy's Home. If you've seen that, <laughs> okay, I will give you Daddy's Home was a really good movie, but he was back to being this innocent guy again he's just this good guy trying to do everything right and mark you, comes in as total jerk and steps on his gay i don't know that movie was funny too have you seen the trailer for daddy's home too oh i have john cena's hey. gonna be in it again and mel, and mel and gibson mel, is playing wall mark Wahlberg's dad yep oh my gosh <laughs> and it's christmas themed so one day maybe we'll cover it yeah it's coming out this christmas right november november yep yeah Oh, another thing I really like about this film is the scar. The main elf theme, I guess. You know, um, I don't want to hum it, but it plays multiple times throughout the movie. It's, uh, it's maybe you can because you <laughs> you probably have a better voice than I do, Julia. If do, you want to yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Song Christmas. I love, I love it. it. That score immediately became a traditional Christmas classic for me. Yes. Yep. And that particular sound bite is my ringtone every year. So. Aww. Nice. Yep. My husband's ringtone is, I love you, I love you, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, while we're talking about music, the entire, the soundtrack and the score for this is, is right on every time. Mm-hmm. Every, everything they hit. The, Pennies from Heaven. Yeah, and the classic sleigh ride from, mm-hmm. was Ella Fitzgerald, right? An Eartha Kit, mm-hmm. Santa Baby. Yes. Um, baby, it's cold even, outside, even when they're singing it in the shower, the little duet. The very yeah. rapey Baby, It's Cold Outside. I love that song. And it is. <laughs> I, it, it's iconic. It's very you know, iconic. You know, um, I learned that that song was originally supposed to be empowering to women who were not really? able to pursue those, we're keeping this family friendly, so I'll say feelings for men and those wanting to do certain acts and this was a way for them to spin it so they could do what they what she wanted to do but i think that not out of the context of the 40s that's kind of gone and now it is kind of it's just creepy especially when there's a grown man in an elf costume singing to a woman who doesn't know he's in there while she's in the shower (laughs) i don't think i can think of any other scene where that would be okay for me to watch and not have a problem with besides but himself being that guy. <laughs> right. So innocent. I didn't know you were naked in there. So that actually, innocent. That actually makes me think of a question that my wife actually gave me to ask you guys because she finds it. So if you saw this man, this child trapped in a man's body or this uh, child <laughs> trapped in a woman's body, would you be able to go on a real date and like kiss them and like, yeah, she thinks it's creepy. Like, yeah, he's innocent, but he's almost too childlike. Like, she can't see, like, yeah, be friends with him. Why would she take him on the, kiss him on the first date? Because he's so innocent and like a child, a grown, overgrown child. So do you think there's well, a little creepy aspect to that? It, I look at it the opposite. If, if I had been single and met a girl with, who shared his affinity for elf culture in real life, <laughs> <laughs> 
That would have been my dream girl. <laughs> if I if I had found found the, the the woman who was perfectly okay with us wearing elf costumes everywhere we went in public. Sorry, Christine, but I probably would have been married before I met you. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's definitely sped up for for the cinema, right? Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, I'm attracted to people that are different from your average bear, right? And if you really love Christmas that much, which Jovi must have loved it a little bit, I want to think, right, for her to one, want to work. Or I don't know, maybe she was working to keep the electricity on um, <laughs> as an elf. But I just, I don't know. I, I find Buddy very attractive. Not physically attractive, but his spirit and his heart. Gosh, I love that. So I could see it. Definitely sped up for cinema. But I don't know. I don't think of it as creepy. I probably should, but I don't. <laughs> I think if we found it creepy, any of us, we probably would not be doing a podcast that's Christmas themed year round. That's very <laughs> true. <laughs> so we're probably not the right people to ask that question to. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to throw it out to the listeners if you find it, but anyone who's listening to this podcast probably won't find it creepy either. But if you do, <laughs> please let us know. And let us know why you agree with Anthony's wife. Yep, Sarah Fernandez, by the way. Okay, so I've got a question, or maybe more of a statement. So we've got the main players in the movie, right? We've got Buddy and Jovi and, and the, the family in New York, and then we've got the elves and all of that stuff. Um, I'm from Oklahoma. I've never stepped foot in New York City, much to my you know sadness, because I really want to go someday, particularly at Christmas time. But I sort of feel like New York plays a character role in this movie, right? And lots of Christmas movies are set in New York, but in this one in particular, when I started like paying more attention, right, to the, some of the locations, Santa mentions, mentions Ray's Pizza, which I was like, is that real or are we pulling a gimbals? And it's real. It's real. And there are multiple locations and they all claim to be the original, but that's the only original is the one mentioned by Ed Asner. Um, you've got the Lincoln Bridge or the Lincoln Tunnel, the Brooklyn Bridge. You've got Central Park, Rockefeller Center. I mean, all of the main parts you want to hit um, at Christmas time. And it, I feel like New York gives you a really good atmosphere for the dichotomy between uh winter wonderland right santa's workshop and new york city right but i i mean i'd love to talk about that especially from somebody who lives in new york <laughs> um i well i think one of the reasons new york plays such a character in this movie compared to a lot of christmas movies which are always which are a lot of them are set in new york is the fact that they didn't substitute a foreign city for new york in this movie a lot of films are shot in, you know, Toronto or wherever and pretend to be New York, but they shot a lot of it in New York and there's just no substituting that energy. Uh, and they used actual New Yorkers. So that scene where he first arrives in New York and is running through doors and grabbing flyers from people and running into shops saying, you did it. You made the best cup of coffee, world's best <laughs> cup of coffee. None of that was scripted. That was all the last day of shooting. So it's just John Favreau, a cameraman, and Will Ferrell. And just going up and basically harassing real New Yorkers to get real reactions and footage. 
So like him hopping across the street like a rabbit in front of a taxi cab and him mistaking a guy in a red jumpsuit for Santa Claus. Those are all real New Yorkers. And I guess they added to the film to give it some realism. That's so funny. I did not know this. (laughs) That's really funny that you mentioned that because when when Julia started talking about New York as a character, I was going to say New Yorkers themselves become a character in here as well. I mean, you have this collective, uh, no matter, you know, you have Dirk, this big, rough biker guy in a bar who wants a, what, a, a pedicure bath, foot bath. You have Charlotte Denon. Yeah. Who wants a Tiffany engagement ring and wants her boyfriend to stop dragging his feet and commit already. <laughs> the reactions that you get from these New Yorkers just seem so genuine for, from the time I've spent in New York. It just seems legit. Mm-hmm. And then you see this, this real American spirit when they start singing and everybody, you know, everybody's like, oh yeah, we can get behind this, this, this unity that only New York seems to be able to turn on and off. Yes. There are scenes like that in a lot of movies set in New York. Like yeah. the, the original Spider-Man when the Green Goblin's going to like impale Spider-Man and all of a sudden the New Yorkers are throwing trash at him from the Brooklyn Bridge and they're like, you mess with one of us, you mess with all of us. <laughs> yeah, like, man. It's, I think it's a very, it's a very New York thing. Not to go down a like a depressing path. But that intensified in that city after 9-11. 9/11. Yeah. And uh, we never quite lost it, even in times when the rest of the country is pretty divided. New York's always united like that. And that I imagine that mentioned. will always be the case. Yes. And that scene you mentioned at the end where they all come together and start singing, it's impossible for me to watch that part of the movie without joining in the sing-along. <laughs> Oh, I love that. <laughs> That's awesome. We need to set up a little camera and watch you watch Elf. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to donate, really if you want to donate money to us, I will live stream myself watching. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah won't think that's creepy at all. No, she'll hide in another room. <laughs> Did you remember in the movie the random lightning when the Central Park Rangers appear and then? Mm-hmm. It just- appears just to add that give them that spooky effect yes yeah, so you have that that thunder and lightning but the sleigh takes off the sky is perfectly clear there's not a cloud in the sky <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> it works so well there, there was there was something there was something that called back to legend of sleepy hollow in that whole scene i was just waiting for one of the rangers to not have a head but uh they, they do all have their heads well back to that score during that scene like playing like the more action-packed version of the elf theme throughout it, but they were very Western vibes. I got like a Western runaway train type chase, music-wise. Are Central Park Rangers really that bad? Well, they really did, uh, in the movie, they mentioned the Simon Garfunkel concert. Is that Uh, what they were referencing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they had like some pretty aggressive crowd control tactics that opened up this whole big investigation into them. They're rarely brought out anymore, but they do exist. Wow. So they're like for serious. I think they were out most recently election night when there were lots of people in the streets and uh, they were expecting a lot of stuff going down, but yeah. So that, so was, they, an, that was an actual hearkening back to a real event and Santa was making a political commentary on the... <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's exactly what was happening. So those of us who... who I don't know when that happened, but that was definitely uh, not something I was aware of. 
I'm pretty sure the movie got the date wrong because I think in real life it was 1983 and I think they were off by a year in the movie. So, fact check. Oh, John Favreau. (laughs) (laughs) Did you notice, did you catch the non-traditional Christmas throwback during that chase scene with Santa Claus and Buddy and the Central Park Rangers? Santa says the line, I'm getting too old for this, which uh, from Lethal (laughs) Weapon, which is another (laughs) Christmas classic. (laughs) Yeah, that was pretty great. Yeah. That is a great that is a great Christmas not Christmas movie. Yep. So going back to the thing I like to talk about now since I learned about it, the uh, the Linus test. Some people say that a Christmas movie isn't a Christmas movie unless it passes the Linus test where somebody learns the real meaning of Christmas. I would say this movie hits that out of the park. Not only does uh you know, Jovi gets she's like, Oh crud, I gotta sing. there's that moment where she's like the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud Mm -hmm. for all to hear after she'd already told Buddy she doesn't sing in front of people and she starts singing and then uh, Emily Hobbs starts singing and she's her voice is awful but she doesn't let it stop her it's Mm -hmm. that typical mom moment in a movie like that yeah (laughs) we see James Caan Walter Hobbs get pushed over the edge where he starts singing and that's what causes the, the sleigh to lift. But it's the entire city of New York that has that, that epiphany. They're like, oh yeah, this is why we're doing this because some kid read out of some random book things that rang awkwardly true to us or un, un, unexplainably true to us. And it's a good thing Walter started singing when he did because Santa was about to plow right into that crowd of people. <laughs> yeah. It was just, I mean, if you look at the height, the, those reindeer and that sleigh <laughs> We're going to hit Walter right in the back of the <laughs> But no, it definitely passes the Linus test. Yeah. And like a moment a little bit earlier than that, but when Walter and Buddy reconcile in the park and he says, uh, you know, I don't want you to leave. You're my son. I love you. And I'm like, oh. Like it's such a sweet moment, especially coming from James Caan, who never really gets moments like that in movies. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I guess that that whole mo- that whole Linus moment starts when he's talking to Mr. Greenway back at the office, and he's like, "Up yours," yep. which, yeah. is, which is an amazing. I, I, you have to you have to think about what it, what's actually happening. He's having that Linus moment where family and Christmas and everything makes sense. And James Conn's Con's response is, "Up yours." <laughs> <laughs> this heartwarming, happy moment. Hobbs <laughs> is like, "Yeah." Uh, that's that's the moment where I think I saw the James Conn I was used to seeing. Yeah, me too. Definitely. So uh, while we're talking, Alf, have any of you, I'm going to go on a little side note here. Have any of you seen the live, any of the live productions of Elf? Oh, um, I'm not. No, but isn't it, didn't they borrow heavily from that for the uh, claymation version? Yes. Uh, it came out last year. We went and saw the Elf, the musical, and I'm like, okay, this is going to be kind of fun, but I didn't expect much. They, they altered the story just enough and did just enough tweaking to make it work on stage where it was just unbelievable. It was so much fun. If you like Elf, even the slightest, I highly recommend getting tickets and seeing the live performance. Okay, cool. Yeah, it was on Broadway here for a while, but then shut down. So now it only comes back around the holidays, but I definitely want to see it at some point. I wonder if it's going to come through Tulsa. It did last year. It was at the PAC. So there's a chance, is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. You're saying there's a chance. There was a kid's version where, where it was performed by, by children for children's theater. We did not see that one. We went and saw the mm-hmm. adults, which it was a little more adult grown-up humor. But they did it right. in a way that it worked really well. Okay. 
I need to check that out. So did you guys recognize another classic Christmas actor in this movie? He's who's in another I iconic Christmas movie and he was kind of a guest star in this movie, supporting cast member. Who are we talking about? The head elf at the North Pole. Uh, Ming Ming. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. From Christmas. Yep. 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 From a Christmas story. story. Yeah, he was. Um, I did not know that for like the first three or four years until somebody pointed that out and then I had to go watch them back to back. And it's kind of cool. You can see... I mean, you can definitely tell it's the same mannerism, same. It's pretty cool to see. He definitely grew out of his little awkward phase. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's now what it's I... just a, a cruel elf that makes fun of Buddy and... <laughs> in a nice way. <laughs> you know, they at least let him play in the reindeer games. They tried <laughs> really nice hard. To, really tried really hard to, to save his feelings and his poor production. So I'm still convinced whenever I watch this movie that Rudolph is actually in it. Because every time you see the wide shots of Santa's sleigh, it looks like there was an odd number of reindeer. So, but you never see the nose. So I don't know if it's just they lacked a special effect to get the eighth reindeer in there, but I'm convinced Rudolph's leading that sleigh. Interesting. Even though he has no red nose. But huh. I did maybe, not notice that. Maybe he's wearing uh, his dad's little black, uh, yeah. The whole, the whole you're okay we'll save the honest trailer of that for the actual movie of, of rudolph oh <laughs> i have a lot to say about that movie. <laughs> um was this the first time that ginormous was used by any chance you know when he's leaning over the toilet and he's like these toilets are ginormous it's the first time i remember hearing it me too and i say it all the time now so talk about spinning off a, a thousand uses of a new word <laughs> lots of people say ginormous now that's very true you know what scene i thought was really sweet in this movie when he's sitting after his doctor's appointment and he's sitting next to that little girl in the waiting room mm-hmm. and he's you know asking her what he wants her she wants for christmas and he's like i'll put a new word with the big three oh and then it turns out he did because she's <laughs> on the well she's on the list of him and i thought that was thanks, a really buddy. cool moment yeah <laughs> thanks buddy <laughs> So one thing that was I like really liked about this movie was the lack of special effects until you get to the very end. Yep. Everything is d- just done with the positioning of characters and mm-hmm. cameras. The elves, even though they look ridiculously smaller than Will Ferrell, who's kind of a giant, it's all be- because of where they were placed in relation to one another. John Favreau didn't kill the movie by overdoing the CGI, which he could have easily done. Okay, I do have to say that the claymation was obviously not <laughs> real life, but the scenes and everything they did were great. Do you know who was originally in mind to play Buddy? Jim Carrey. Wouldn't that have been terrible? Oh, that would have been 100%. terrible. Oh my gosh. And like overacting central. He was attached oh, for a few years in the early 90s. So that was the peak of his like Ace Ventura type phase. So he would have been, it would have been a whole different movie had he been cast. Yeah. Oh, I could not have done it. No. I could not. No, have. I don't think I could have either. He, he wouldn't have had that innocence to him at all. Everything is so exaggerated with him as a character. Yeah. When he does yep. comedy. Yeah, that would have been different. So we, we had a discussion um, earlier on our Slack channel, the three of us did, we were talking about Elf and Anthony, before we, he watched, we all watched the movie this last week, but before Anthony watched the movie, he went and watched the trailer. 
and we'll put it in the show notes. But the first trailer was terrible for this movie. I would, I would have gone to see it because it was a Christmas movie, obviously. And I think we're all in that same boat. But it did not have the same draw. And then I found the second one and shared it. And we're all like, oh, there it is. The second one is actually the one uh, you would have heard at the beginning of the show, by the way. There were just some cool deleted scenes, though, in the first one that didn't make it the cut to the movie. Like that whole uh, elf playing ice hockey thing. Yeah, that, that would have been cool. That would have been cool in the movie. And then I, I like when he said, uh, what was it? Your car's pretty when the taxi hit him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I mean, it's been a while since I, I own it, obviously. But nowadays, all this stuff is streaming. So I rarely put the DVD in. Did it come with deleted scenes? I don't remember. I don't do DVDs anymore. I'm not sure. But yeah, that first trailer was horrible. It was awful. I'm really sad Will Ferrell said no to a, a sequel to this movie. It would have been... He I turned down $29 million for a sequel. Because nobody wanted to see a 40-year-old in tights, he said. Oh. But in fairness, could anything have lived up to the original? No. I don't think they could. I don't I think so. I'm so often disappointed by sequels. You know, it's the exception to the rule for me when I'm pleased by a sequel, and that tends to live exclusively in Star Wars or Pixar movies anymore, right? Well, Toy Story movies. Yeah. Yes, they just keep getting better. So I'm, I'm kind of glad there's no sequel because it's just, it's perfect. It needs to be left alone, you know? Mm-hmm. Like when TV sitcoms go on too long and they miss that nice sweet spot where they can end the show perfectly and have no like bad feelings, then you end up with like a Seinfeld when they go too long, right? The Office too. Sorry to disappoint. I know you're going. Again. Oh, spoiler alert. It's so good <laughs> now. Don't tell me that it goes downhill. <laughs> um, I'm, yeah, I'm glad there's not a sequel. I would totally go see Will Ferrell in tights. If there is a if there is an elf too, I would see it. But I would I'm afraid be disappointed by it. Do you, either of you know if Macy's was approached to be the department store and they declined, or why was Macy's not chosen? I read somewhere they did it as a throwback to Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street, which was Gimbel's, which was a real department store back and, in the day, and arrivals of Macy's, Correct. arrival of Macy's. Yep. Okay, so it was, for, it was, again, another throwback for Christmas films. Yep. Cool. I actually love the scene, speaking of gimbals, where uh, Walter's walking down the street, and then he just stops and sees Buddy sleeping in the window and just stares at him until he wakes up, and he's like, Dad? Dad! It's me! Dad! <laughs> <laughs> and he just stares at him like he's crazy and then walks away. <laughs> that whole getting to know one another... Uh, sequence of, of scenes was amazing. Everything from the Christmas gram. What's a Christmas gram? I want one. I want one. <laughs> to uh, giving his dad <laughs> giving his dad <laughs> lingerie. <laughs> Best James Conn response. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Just, just That's weird. Face. <laughs> So all of that up to John Favreau's revelation as the doctor that it's a boy. <laughs> because you know Walter Hobbs is hoping this guy is just a lunatic who somehow found a, an old picture of him. 
I actually love when he brings him home for the first time and he's shocked that his wife, Emily, is like so gung-ho about taking him in. We have to help him. We can't leave him out. Which I think is another like, you know, sweet Christmas thing. Like, because I feel if this wasn't a holiday movie and you just have a movie about this insane guy who turns out to be his son, they could easily have made the partner like kind of like the jealous, like, well, that's from another woman or another man. Like, you know, Mm. he's trying to interfere in our lives, but because it's a sweet Christmas heartwarming movie, she embraces him right away from the beginning. Mm -hmm. He says, you know, he has to too, basically. And she's so positive throughout the entire thing as Buddy's dousing her spaghetti with maple syrup. And when he, just the, the sincerity that she tries to express when he makes her lunch. I don't so, know. They cast the perfect character and, they, and they, they just wrote Emily Hobbs to be this person that just embodies the Christmas spirit herself. Despite the fact her husband's kind of a jerk and works too hard and neglects his family, she still seems to have some magic left in her. So are we to take it that Susan Wells, is she no longer living? Is that why he goes to find his dad and not his mom? That's the impression I got. Okay, that's what I got too. So just even the way Walter was staring at the picture, old picture, kind of like wistfully. Yep. Okay. I was never quite clear about that. Oh, so that scene where Buddy is making himself breakfast and it's all the M&Ms on the spaghetti with the syrup and the graham crackers and everything. Uh, that issued that multiple times because uh, he kept getting physically sick. So there was a bucket under the table for him to get sick in and then they would go for another <laughs> shot, another shot. Oh, and he, boy. And he had a headache throughout the whole filming of the movie because he had so much junk. So they had to keep uh, bringing him water, making him drink lots of water and trying to keep him healthy while he oh, was that's, this film. That's so gross. I'll tell you what, being an actor's rough job. Oh, I rough know. Job. But for... That pay, I'd probably do. It. Yeah, <laughs> I'd probably do it for free to be in an elf uniform and walk around New York City, like, and just <laughs> indulge my Christmas spirit like that. That's what I was gonna say. If I could be in a Christmas movie, I'll make myself sick thirty times in a day. <laughs> totally worth it. So one scene I think we completely forgot, and the hidden gem of a joke: the mailroom scene. <laughs> <laughs> I love that scene. When Buddy's drinking and they're, they get intoxicated off of the syrup. Um, so they have Mark Atchison and he's, he's drinking with Buddy and he's like, you know, I'm 26 years old. When in, act- <laughs> when in actuality, he's like 40 something years old, I'm sure. 40 ish. Apparently, some people in the studio had a problem with that joke and told uh, John Favre, we, we can't do that. This guy doesn't even look 26. And John Favre just told him, that's the joke. <laughs> <laughs> obviously not 26 um so it was a joke that that even those in the involved in the or in the movie production didn't get that's a great scene that whole scene in the mail room when he's uh had too much and he's like dancing on the table <laughs> that is the only scene in the entire movie that's filmed kind of dark yeah everywhere else it's just bright and happy even at night even in the park there's still just this except for when they show the Central Park Rangers, it's still very light and there's just some sort of dark, depressing commentary on office life mm-hmm. <laughs> while they're in that mail room. The comment that everything's not shiny the way it's supposed to, but he's convinced he's not in the right place. <laughs> Everybody just seems so unhappy until Buddy gets drunk and starts doing some weird Russian dancing for them. <laughs> 
so he one brings of the, the joy with him. He does. He does. So one of the other lines in this movie, I don't think we mentioned yet, but that I quote a lot is when Walter's phone rings and he leans over him and he picks it up and he's like, Buddy the Elf, what's your favorite color? <laughs> <laughs> yep. That probably makes me laugh the hardest. That line and the part where he puts the star on top of the tree. <laughs> yes. Yeah, where he gets like, inevitably we'll rewind that like, four and five times to get my fill before we can go on. You can ask any of my kids. It's the best when he, he when he's like, who's going to put the star on the tree? I got it. And then he disappears off screen, right? And then you just hear the running and you see him just catapult himself up there like a squirrel. Oh, every time. So funny. Love that part. <laughs> I don't think any of us have mentioned the um... – What's the kid's name? Michael Hobbs? Yeah, we mm-hmm. haven't at all. I, th- I really liked how their relationship developed. Like at first, he wanted nothing to do with Buddy. And then in a typical like elementary school, middle school fashion, like Buddy helps defeat the bullies in an epic snowball fight. And all of a sudden, they're mm-hmm. best friends after that. Mm-hmm. I thought he returns that the good. favor and hooks him up with some girl. Yep. You know, clues him in on how to woo a woman. You right? Know, the Get code. some food. Right? <laughs> you know, eat food. The code. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that is a sweet little side story. The whole brother thing. Buddy who never had a brother and finally a brother who goes from not accepting him at all to completely accepting him. Yep. And accepting the whole, you know, his whole way of life with no questions. You know, yeah, so he's an elf, so what, man? Love and- that story. And yeah, he also a- gets to help Buddy in the end, too, just like Walter did. He ran off with yeah. the book to prove to people Santa was real. Yep. That's right. All of that after he did not appreciate Buddy's burp. No. <laughs> <laughs> I love the seriousness that, that Buddy presents us. He, he has this great burp. And it just looks, did you hear that? <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to jokingly suggest at the beginning of the show that the three of us had to have the contest and see who can mimic it the best but oh gosh <laughs> i cannot burp on command by the way <laughs> unfortunately many times in my life i've wished i could but i can't supposedly <laughs> at least part of that burp was real i don't know if you guys know that really? yeah i've heard that they just overdubbed it i'd read that a while back <laughs> did you know that will ferrell's brother real life brother was also in this movie no who was his he brother was- one of the security cards at the Empire State Building kept throwing him out. I'm assuming he was a taller one. They had a similar face. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So I'm going to just give my one stickler here as a New Yorker. He had no pass, no company ID, no form of any ID. He would never get near that building and get up all the way on the business elevators to see his dad, especially with Edmund especially after 9-11. So that's my one, like, that's not real. Everything else is real. That's not real, though. Such <laughs> oh, a New so- York thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> Here in Oklahoma, they'll let you into whatever building you want to get into as long as you have a little bit of a southern twang in your voice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, going back to all the quotable lines. I can't tell you the number of times I tell somebody, you don't smell like Santa. You smell like beef and cheese. (laughs) (laughs) 
if you're really Santa, what song did I sing for you for your birthday? Oh, happy birthday, happy of course. Birthday. Dang it. Oh, that, guy, <laughs> that, 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 that bad mall Santa was, was the just the epitome of what I think of when I think of mall Santa's as awful as that is. <laughs> Can I tell you a story about mall Santa from here? I would hope so. Yeah. It's not the happiest story. Okay. Okay. It's not funny. I don't know. Okay. I'm just, it's a nervous laugh. Okay. So <laughs> this is horrible. Anyway, <clears throat> last two years ago, three years ago, the mall Santa was on his coffee break. So he was going up the escalators to the food court and he had a heart attack and dropped dead in the middle of the Christmas season on the mall, full scent of regalia on. It was hard. No, that's why I said it was a nervous oh. laugh because it's not funny. But like, I just felt so bad for like all of the kids, kids. at this mall who just saw Santa Claus collapse and pass away, oh. sadly. But yeah, it was horrible. Wow. That's so sad. Oh. Maybe he died doing what he loved, though. Yeah. I hope. I hope so, too. When it's my time, I hope I go in full Santa regalia. Full Santa dress, absolutely. Yeah. That's what we all hope. <laughs> wow. I, I, I'm usually pretty, I'm overly critical of Santa costumes. I really am. Um, it needs to, to be the perfect shade of red. It does, and it needs to be fuzzy, but not fake fuzzy looking mm-hmm. and they, they just they nailed it um and i love the juxtaposition between the crappy cheap you know 90 dollars santa suit the uh the mall santa and then the the manager of the store has to wear versus the one that santa wears that just blows my mind and i would mortgage my house to have a santa suit like that you know, they, oh, I mean, we'll discuss it when we get to the other movie, but I think the Santa Claus has a really good Santa suit, too. It does. Which I guess they needed to perfect since the whole premise of that movie is he has to put on the suit. Yeah. Santa, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are always the two that stick out in my mind, like best-looking Santa outfits. All right, so talking about this movie, who was your favorite ancillary character, not one of the main characters? Julia, you go first. Um, I'm going to pick that walrus in the beginning. Um, every time, and, and when, it, when that part's coming, I get excited about it. And then when it leaves, I'm left thinking about it, which I know sounds silly, but like we all talked about, it's that, it's that old Christmas movie feel that whole time in the North Pole. It is all that just real antique classic um, when I was a kid feeling. And that, I love that walrus. He's my favorite. That's what I'm sticking with. What about you, Anthony? Um, well, I love the store manager, like I said earlier, but I also like the stop animation characters. I like, the, I'm gonna, instead of the walrus though, I'm gonna go with the Arctic Puffin. <laughs> because uh, I Not just- Not now, the- Arctic Puffin! <laughs> 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 I just love the fact that you talk about this blended family at the end when they're up at the North Pole visiting Papa Elf, Arctic Puffins on the couch having a cup of coffee or cocoa or whatever with, the, with all of them visiting. <laughs> and I, I don't know why that cracks me up. It just does. Like he's just sitting on the couch like, <laughs> sitting with the baby. So I like the Arctic Puffin. 
good choice. <laughs> Mine really has to be, I have a tie between Miles Finch and Deb. I think we, we, talked, we talked in depth about why Miles Finch. I mean, just the sheer cockiness of this guy who turns around and beats the crud out of Buddy in front of an entire boardroom full of people. Uh, and nobody says or does anything. That just shows the amount of command as a person Peter Dinklage pulled off. But Deb, I mean, every interaction between uh, Amy Sedaris and Will Ferrell was, was golden. You look hilarious. They were. Even, even if you just look at her face. So there's, there's the scene where Walter Hobbs pulls Deb in to tell her to call security. And uh, Buddy leans in. He's like, I like to whisper too or, or whatever, you know. And if you just watch Amy Sedaris's face, she's, really, she's, she's subtle, but she's, she reacts to everything really well in a way that uh, uh, not all minor supporting characters do. And again... She is willing to try declawing kittens with no experience. <laughs> I really like her too. And I like the two other publishers who work for him as well. I think they're funny. When they're debating like, you know, what's more overdone than a peach or whatever the line is. Yeah. <laughs> I think the tribe of that was Andy Richter. <laughs> yeah. It was Andy, Andy Richter. Richter. And then the other half of Tenacious D, right? Is it? Really? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty Looking sure. Right now. The other one, the asparagus children, yes. is the other half oh, of Tenacious yes. D. Wow. Yes. I did not know that. Yeah. Look at me coming up with something y'all don't know. When does that ever happen? <laughs> so so both, episode two. Both, <laughs> so both actors of Tenacious D had a movie released in November of 2003. Apparently so. Wow. One was much better than the other. <laughs> I really think you should cut off some slack and not be so in love with School of Rock here, my friend. <laughs> I never finished that movie. I, you never finished School of Rock? I don't hate that movie. I don't hate it either, but it's definitely not as good as Elf. No way. Oh, no, no way. Yeah. But no, I don't hate it either. But there are some moments where I'm like, uh, but. Did you know that it was John Favreau who did the voice of all the stop animation characters? I did. Well, most of them. Baby Walrus, Mr. Narwhal, and Arctic Puffin. Oh, his name's Baby Walrus? <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. Oh, I like him more now. <laughs> did you know the elf costumes are exact replicas of the elf costumes from Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? I did. Of course you knew that. Of course you knew that. I didn't, but the moment you said that, <laughs> the, the, the two different parts of my brain made a, made, made a connection. Which I love those I costumes. Felt it happen. They're so simple and beautiful. I love them. I feel like they could have made a reference to like Hermie or something, like mentioned a dentist practice or something up there. I think that would have been fun. <laughs> or even just had like a little, even, even be more subtle just as they're panning out on the North Pole, just have a little dentist office off to the side. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been awesome. <laughs> The honest trailer for that movie has ruined the entire film for me now. <laughs> I told it's hilarious though. We've got it. I can't wait till we do Rudolph, guys. Oh, I know. Especially because that means we're all that much closer to Christmas. Because isn't that don't we have that scheduled for like two weeks before Christmas? For three weeks. The first the first week the first Monday of, of uh, December. We don't want to so, give it all away for our listeners. <laughs> I don't want to open a can, a can of worms about rotten tomatoes here but I definitely disagree with Rotten Tomatoes on this one. They only gave 
84% for Elf, and it definitely deserves 100. Agree. Agreed. But since you opened the Round Tomatoes can of worms, Round Tomatoes is such a flawed system, I don't use it for... I use it because it has all the reviews compiled in one place, but I don't look at their average because it's so skewed how they do that. Yeah, I don't, I don't like their, I don't like it at all. Like they force people to basically, you know, vote, you know, good or bad. And then, you know, you read the actual review for somebody who gave it a negative review and they gave it like seven stars out of 10. And I was like, that's not that bad, but you rated it bad. You know, I don't like that system. When I was a child, I used to get on escalators exactly like Buddy the Elf did. Like, I'd be afraid to get on them. (laughs) Is there video of this somewhere? I'm sure there has to be. (laughs) (laughs) It's like the guy that wants to skydive but has to be strapped to somebody else. The, it's it's that level of commitment to escalators right there. The whole, I got to make this to where I have no choice once we get to a certain point whether <laughs> I'm riding this thing or not. <laughs> That's fantastic. So do you guys have any final words on Elf before we wrap it up? I think we all agree this is going in as number one. This is the film to beat. Yes, 100%. It is. So for everybody listening, it's all downhill from here. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> now, actually, kind of makes you think we should have made this our tenth, eleventh, or twelfth episode, but nope. <laughs> I don't think any of us could have waited that long. No, no way. <laughs> no way. But luckily, next week we have another pretty highly regarded Christmas classic coming up, and that is Christopher Columbus's Home Alone, starring Macaulay Culkin. So make sure you do your homework before next week's episode and watch it if you're following along. I have a question about the ranking systems, guys. And I think I'll ask on the podcast to clear it up for our listeners too. Are we each keeping our own individual list and then one master list where we, you know what I mean? Where we debate, like in terms of uh, where they rank. I like the idea of the master list to debate. We can get each of our own list too. But I like the idea of of debating where these films fall. Getting into little fights. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah. Forcing each other. It's bound to happen. Forcing somebody to submit to somebody else's will. (laughs) Publicly. Just like baby, it's cold outside, so. (laughs) (laughs) Bring it full circle. There you go. There it is. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I'll just want to say one more final word about John Favreau, too. He has directed some amazing movies over the course of his career, and this is no exception. But I mean, recently, The Jungle Book was spectacular. And I don't know how he did that, because where he used barely any CGI of this movie, that movie is all CGI, and I don't know how anyone does that. So I have incredible amounts of respect for that guy, especially because he also launched the Marvel Cinematic Universe, too. All right, guys, so I just want to get to know you guys still a little bit better. So I'm wondering, when do you guys start your personal decorating for Christmas at home? Well, at my house, uh, we decorate early November. Um, Used to be just to make sure that we could get it up before the craziness of the season hit, but now it's just because we want to. (laughs) We can't wait any longer. So early November. Uh, Generally November 1st. Um, Oh, wow, you go early early yep day after halloween like to the point where 
the last weekend before Halloween, I get the Christmas boxes out of storage and the empty Halloween boxes back out. That way, like the next day, boom, I can just transfer them all and get decorated. But the last two years, I didn't put up a tree because we were going to be, we were away up in Newfoundland for the past two years visiting my wife's family. And uh, we have two cats who were de destroyed the tree and all our ornaments, absolutely. So we only put out <clears throat> kind of our little, you know, shelf things and things for the windows and stuff, but no tree. So I'm looking forward to putting up the tree again this year. So you're staying in New York for Christmas? Yep, this year. So we start doing light decorating and things that, that anticipate the coming Christmas season at the beginning of our, our advent, which being in the Eastern Christian tradition starts 40 days before Christmas on November 15th. Um, so that's when we start everything. Um, okay, one. I know I said one question, but I have another one. Okay. How many trees do you guys put up in your house? So me and my wife live in a one-bedroom apartment, so we only have one. Well, we own more than one. So when we first got married, well, when we first moved in together, my parents gave us their very first Christmas tree from when they first got married and moved in together. So that's the one we've been using. But uh, I'm kind of, <laughs> it's a little gappy for me in terms of, because it's so old now. So my grandparents are getting rid of theirs, which is much fuller. So we've been putting that one up. We still have the one my parents gave us because when we get a house, we'll put both up. But right now it's just the one. What about you guys? Nine. I have nine trees, guys. I just counted them. Nine. That's amazing. Now, You're the ones in the kids... All right. So each kid has their own tree and they're small, right? They're, they're like three feet, three foot high and they're pre-lit in their own rooms. So that adds up right when you have four kids, but yeah, nine trees. I'm a crazy person. No, you're an awesome I love person. trees. Of all the Christmas decorations, the tree form, shape, everything. That's my favorite thing to decorate with. Not, not frosty, not Santa, not angels, trees. I love the trees. So that's probably why we have, we get a real tree every year, um, whether we're going to stay in Tulsa or not. I just have to have the, the smell of the Christmas tree in our house. Um, and then we have two artificial trees we usually put up and then we put up a, any varying number of other trees. We have way too many Christmas trees. If, if there were such a thing we would, but um, not such not. a thing. And we put up a lot in uh, my wife's store as well to, to set the mood for shoppers. My parents growing up, we always had six. So like when I have a house, I'll definitely have a lot. Are, are y'all all artificial? Yeah, all artificial. So I actually only just cut down my real tree for the first time two years ago when we were up in Canada for Christmas. Uh, basically my wife's family is like, just on the edge of this forest that like goes far back. So they all get their Christmas trees from there. And uh, because I was the first time I spent can uh, Christmas up there, they had me go down and get the tree. So that was a cool experience. They said it was the best tree that they've had, but it could be just being, just be being nice, but I don't think they are because I've seen some of their trees and they were <laughs> horrible. We are cutting down, we, we usually just go buy a tree, but this year we're doing our first 
cut tree and um, I'm accident prone. So I may or may not be doing another podcast after we cut that out. That, <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> Pretty much. We could do a special podcast from the hospital room when you're recovering. <laughs> we want to know how many trees you guys put up and when you start decorating for Christmas, because we want to get to know you guys better, just like we're getting to know ourselves better. Also, let us know what you thought of Elf and what you think of the first Home Alone movie. Do you think it stands up as a Christmas classic or do you think it's a bit outdated now? Because again, we're doing Home Alone next week. So do your homework. And you can get in touch with us via our website, tisthepodcast.com, through which you can email us. You could also find us on Facebook at tisthepodcast or Instagram at tisthepodcast. And we're also on Twitter at tisthepod. So get in touch. We want to start an open communication with you guys. And also, please subscribe on iTunes and leave us reviews. Every review helps and every rating helps. And tell your friends about us. Do either of you have anything else you want to plug? I was going to say they don't have to be your friends. You can tell random strangers, enemies, people (laughs) you've never met. You can put a Tis the Podcast sticker on your car. Just help us get the word out in any way that you possibly can. Yes, please. (laughs) And so I think that's it, guys. I think for our second episode, this went really well. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Don't forget, there are only 124 more sleeps until Christmas. Yay. So on that positive thought, we'll see you next week. Bye, guys. Bye, everybody. Bye, buddy. Hope you find your dad. (laughs) No. (laughs) 